Oh, they don't want us here! Hello and welcome to episode 208 of the Bad Wolf Podcast. I'm Martin and joining me this week I have Chris Walker-Thompson. Hello. And Sam Michael. Hello again. Gentlemen, how are you doing? Very well, thank you. Very well, yeah, good, yeah. It's always hard, that one. You don't know who's going to go first. I know. Take the risk. It's, it, it's almost like a bit of tr- top trumps, isn't it? it, it uh, yeah, I'm all right. And the other one either could either go, well, I'm not as good as he is doing at the moment, or <laughs> perhaps maybe I am. I've got to ask what you were drinking, Martin, actually. That was rude of me. You asked me what I was drinking before we went on air. Yeah, I'm what, drinking what a Smirnoff Ice. Oh, hello. <laughs> and I that's just because. Yeah, it's just because B&M had run out the cans of JD and Coke. I won't lie. I do miss a good Smirnoff ice. I sort of feel embarrassed if I ordered it now. I, it's like with WKD. I still have those sort of flashbacks of, yeah, that was quite tasty for its time. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I enjoyed them. But like, I swear I haven't seen one since like 2006. <laughs> yeah. They're still around. But I used to drink these all the time in the early 2000s. I was the same with WKD. And it's like you said, I've forgotten all about them. I used to drink them all the time. It was, they used to have, uh, was it the blue? I, we don't know what that was. WKD blue. No idea. Some people yeah, thought it was yeah. a raspberry. All I know was you could add it to Vimto. No, no, you could add it to red wine and make a cheeky Vimto. Do you remember that? <laughs> no, Vimto. I never did that. Now I feel I've missed out. <laughs> oh, that was awful. How was that everything? Like, that was like quite a common thing. That, like, you know, like now nowadays, especially like uh, people go, oh, you know, if, they'll go and they go, oh, 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 like a Prosecco, like quite common, or, or gin is now in at the thing. Mm. But like the big thing, um, and I seem to remember a lot of girls in, in my year at school drinking it. It was like, oh, yeah, that's just get like a picture of Cheeky Vimto, which literally was, I'm pretty <laughs> sure this is right, WKD Blue and red wine, and it would taste like Vimto, but obviously completely destroyed you for the evening. <laughs> oh, I remember I mixed it with Jack Daniels once, and it turned it green. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Me and my good friend Jared named it a green beret. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great idea. We should definitely drink that when we all meet up. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, gentlemen, I asked you on tonight because I had so much fun when we did Dimensions in Time that I thought we should talk about the curse of fatal death. You are piloting your TARDIS into a deadly trap, and even you will not suspect until it's far too late. <laughs> You know, if you're going to spy on me, you really should turn the speaker off. Did you both see this on original broadcast? Yes. I don't think I did. I remember catching it at some point, but it was, I think it might have been on UK Gold around like the 40th anniversary. Um, Probably. But before that, um, I saw the video cassette of it. Never cleared the shelf <laughs> uh, at the sort of... I would like to say it was a popular enough to be in Wharfs. I think it was like something like MVC or something like that. It was, uh, and I never got it. And I sort of wondered what it was and then eventually did see it. How about you, Sam? You say you saw it? Yeah, I definitely remember where I was because I was on a school trip to Rossigualia in Wales. I was, I was in year six at the time, so I would have been 10 or 11. And we were allowed to, we weren't allowed to telly for the whole week, but we were allowed to watch Comic Relief. The, the, our like year group were allowed to watch Comic Relief on the Friday night. And it was on there. I remember it being on. I think we only stayed up for to a certain amount of time, so I only saw the episode one and two and then watched three and four when I got home. But, yeah, I, I remember watching it on initial broadcast. I remember watching it as well with a lot of kids who weren't Doctor Who fans but still found it funny. You know, it was Mr Bean mucking yeah. around and 
uh, the 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 baddie from um from uh, you know uh, the world Ryan, Ryan Ryan that's it yeah and you know so it was quite it was quite cool and um and people uh, kind of found it funny and I remember being a Doctor Who fan and enjoying it sort of on both levels as well yeah I remember watching it and really enjoying it see I'm the old man of the podcast because when this broadcast I was like 17 and I remember watching like three minutes of it and thinking what is this shit and just turning it off. <laughs> Little did I know the future. Maybe you did have an inkling of the future. Yeah. That this was going to be the, the, the template for a good <laughs> five to seven years of the show. That, well, that's exactly it. Let's talk about that's this. Exactly it's written it. by Stephen Moffat, and it foreshadows a lot of the Moffat era. Oh, it does. It's, it really it's, does. It was alarming, isn't it? it? He's still playing the same joke that he made all these years ago. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? Like... Uh, there's two ways you can view this. I think as a as a classic Doctor Who fan, it's great. It's a really great parody of Doctor Who. It's mm. loyal to the joke. It's not just like if you there was a lot of sort of sketch shows that used to do Doctor Who jokes. So there was things like the Lenny Henry show, which just played on the same jokes of the Daleks can't go up the stairs. Yeah. Cybermen are a bit like Margaret Thatcher. Yeah. Um, they run down corridors. The the doctor never gets off with the girls, so therefore if they show them getting off, that's quite funny. And it was you know the same old sketches, you know. Um, mm. And then this was a really well thought out parody of the classic series of Doctor Who. Um, yeah. You've got kind of well, yeah. Why doesn't the doctor just keep going back in time and changing things? And then the master goes back, and then, and it's really funny <laughs> ideas and and you know communicating by farts and uh, the what the Daleks the the phrase I'll explain later. It, it's a really nicely done parody but then you view it from a new series who um doctor who and you think right so basically has stephen moffat just made six seven years of doctor who this one joke because <laughs> yeah a lot of that does appear you've you've got kind of the master and the doctor as opposite sexes getting off with each other um you've got making rude jokes about areas of the daleks you've got um you know, the idea of just keep going back in time and switching things, that, especially in the Matt Smith era, mm-hmm. the kind of popping back and forward, which I remember he did in the uh, the Christmas Carol episode. And you just think, and now you, you watch it as a new Doctor Who fan and you go, oh, like, oh, God. This, this at the time, which was a good parody, has now become the regular series. Because I think that's the thing Stephen Moffat has. Uh, he, ha- he does have a sense of humour, but it is really the same sort of jokes you'd sort of joke about with your mates around it. That, that's how I suspected the entirety of his era was written. Was uh, I always joked it was just him turning to, to Mark Catus and just having a laugh, you know, and uh, <laughs> and just going and sort of, um, Mark, I've got a really funny idea for this bit. What do you think of that? He goes, oh, that's marvellous, Stephen. You know, and uh, it was just <laughs> about the of them just saying, yeah, that's a I mean, like, there are some gags where you just don't feel you need to. It's like we all know Doctor Who's got its shit moments. Like uh, <laughs> I was watching <laughs> Invasion of the Dinosaurs the other day, and I was like, they were really just bless them. They were optimistic. That's all I'd say. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so, well, hang know, on a I'm going to interrupt here because you did an impression just then of the uh, of the of the uh, the scriptwriters. So I, I wonder what Terence Dix would would have made of this. Well, you know, you, you don't really want to. Um, uh, I don't want to do too much, you know, because he's up there at the moment with, with old Barry and everyone else. Oh, R.I.P. Uncle Terrence. Oh, Uncle Terrence, we love that. Was a really lovely um, impression, though. That was that <laughs> got his hesitation perfect. Yes, God rest you, Terry. I mean, we can all make jokes about it, but why make 
at the same joke as everyone else is doing. You just just get on with it. If you start, yeah. that's the problem I found with Ezira was that it came very much. Everything was pretty meta, and it just always threw you out of it to remind you you're watching Doctor Who. I blame Bill and Ted for that. In the Curse of Fatal Death, the one thing that had done timey wimey stuff before this was Bill and Ted, when Ted says, oh, we just have to remember to go back and leave the keys for ourselves." That's here, where he's like, oh, I went back and bribed the architect, and I went back even further and bribed the architect. That is just yeah. Bill and Ted. That's interesting you make that, because there was something else that was in my mind I was about to blame as well. And one part of it, and I know we, we're kind of getting a little bit away. Well, actually, no, I suppose, I suppose it does work with, with Fatal Death. But the, that scene of we went back and bribed the architect thing reminds me of, I think, the, one of the scenes that's most like that in the new series. I think it's the Pandorica opens when the doctor's going back and forward and he's got a fez on and then he's got a he's holding yeah. a um, thing. And then. He says to uh, Rory, oh, what did I look like? Oh, you were holding that broom. So he grabs the broom. Then he goes back and does that. And it reminds me, have you seen uh, the Inquisitor episode of Red Dwarf? Yeah. Yeah. Where Crichton goes back and he goes, right, now I've got to say this and I've got to tell you this. And for some reason, my last words are thingy. And like, <clears> he, and, it, and it's sort of, it's that sort of thing that he's like, right, it's fixed in time. Therefore, I've got to hold this broom because that's how you saw me holding a broom. And it, it it's it, it's an interesting idea. And I think probably lots of people have thought about that in Doctor Who before. Well, why doesn't he just appear back here and stuff like that? And it's always been sort of stopped. Any kind of plot holes have always been written off as, you know, well, the Doctor's a lord of time and he can, uh, he can, he knows when he's breaking it and when he's not, which is a fine excuse. I've always been, been happy with that. You know, why can't he save Adric? Well, because there's set times and things like that. And sometimes he can muck about. That, that I'm absolutely fine with that but but yeah it does seem that sometimes he's writing off he's trying to make it look like science fiction and time travel but it's not it's just him taking well, the piss the thing I've always found with that episode in particular is that he gets put in the Pandorica but it's never actually explained how he gets out of it because the solution is that he lets himself out but mm. effectively he has to get out to let himself out effectively he's just conjured his way out through the magic of which is they just shrug it off as time travel it's time travel anything can happen you know and, uh, and I just think that's it's crap that's not true uh, and anyone who believes that's an idiot <laughs> um, I don't Tough care. Words. I, I, I'm sorry. Your kids are going to grow up older and then just go. She's got. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah. not. That's not a paradox at all. That's just. That's a fucking anomaly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, that's the problem. I think. I think a lot of the time, the problem with Stephen Moffat's Doctor Who, and this again goes back to kind of his thing. He's he's a brilliant. He's a very good comedy writer, mm. and I've always wondered why he does all these projects when really i think do you, go, do you know what would be really good for Stephen Moffat is to just sit and do a really good comedy film like yeah. you could do a richard curtis and just write oh, a fantastic yeah. rom-com or something like that because you look at something like um you look at something like coupling there's some really clever episodes in there oh yeah you know one of my favorite sitcom episodes of all time is when the i think it's the character of jeff um is, is uh trying to uh, get off with a Greek woman and he can't speak Greek and she can't speak English and they kind of try and communicate and it doesn't really work and you get the full scene and it's really funny and then you get the scene again but this time uh, you're getting it from her point of view so we can understand her but we can't understand him and the whole thing the whole scene plays out again but you're getting laughs in different places and comedy wise that's genius 
And you mm. think that's so clever. And I think, why are you wasting your time trying to sort of dick about with things like Doctor Who and Sherlock? Just chill out and just write a really good comedy. And I think that was my problem with Moffat. He never really took Doctor Who very seriously. And a lot of people say, no, no, there's lots of serious moments. And I go, no, no, don't, don't mix up serious moments with epic moments because that's what he tried to do they say oh well rory and amy and the angel scene where she leaves that's that's sad it's not that sad it's it's epic they rank up the music it's a bit overly dramatic it's not sad i mean you what's sad is like joe saying goodbye to the doctor underplayed it's so human Mm. but no one can relate to not looking at an angel in case your mum and dad suddenly disappear yeah. in New York where, oh, you can't visit them again because reasons. No, it was never taken seriously for him, which annoyed me. Yeah, it's... I, I, I found that it's... Uh, oh, I was just about to say something and it's completely gone out the window now. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, I had a senile moment there. I'll just... <laughs> well, I wonder if... Uh, All right, Grandad, sit down. Stop you, miss. <laughs> Well, I think it's. Uh, I think uh, Russell T Davis was good at doing sad. I think he did some really good heartbreaking moments, and I wonder if his influence on his writing made it better. So, if you think about, you know, the uh, famously sort of take over quite a few of the scripts, uh, a few of uh, Helen Rayner's and other ones. They were sort of they they were definitely they were definitely there was Russell T Davis oversaw it all. Yeah, I always considered Moffat's era, and I find actually actually Moffat's uh, so even Sherlock goes down the same thing. It's just in, it's just incredible fan fiction. It's like yeah. I'm watching a, it's like I'm watching a fan film most of the time. You know, I've even made fan films, so I can I can comment on this, <laughs> I, on the cliches. But it generally, it is a case of fan films, and it is quite common across the board. It's just really like you say, epic moments, but there's nothing really to link them. Or like very tedious links just to get this one moment in there, mm. and it's just nothing particularly flows. It's because yeah, there were some great bits, but generally the rest of it doesn't flow at all. It's just a sequence of events loosely connected, and most of the time between that is just curse of fatal death style humour. Yeah, that's that's true actually. So I told you, I told you, we 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 do go off subject, but we do bring it back. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you guys make of Rowan Atkinson as the Doctor? He worked for the for the thing. I wouldn't yeah. say I'd want him as a doctor. Uh, I think that's all we what, can say, really, isn't it? <laughs> what amazes me, I don't correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems that like a lot of the the fandom kind of really highly regard his doctor. You see a lot of things where people go, um, "Oh yeah, yeah, well he, you know." Oh, if we can count the Shelker Doctor, then we can count the Ron Atkinson Doctor. And you go, well, no, because Scream of Shelker was a, was a serious production. That was supposed to be, you know, had we not had the new series, that would have been, in some sense, canon. It was written as canon. This is written as a parody. This was never supposed to be the yeah. Ninth Doctor. It's, it's mad that some people really love it and are like, oh, this is so, this is, you know, oh, he was so good. And, and it just, yeah, his Doctor seems very highly regarded from what I've seen online and everything. And I just find that bizarre. Yeah, it, it's, it's strange. I mean, because when I did the, a uh, few years ago, we did uh, the Twelfth Day, the multi-Doctor Christmas special. Mm. I put this little mention in there um, in case anyone was listening because I knew that someone would comment snarkily with it and they'll mm. say, well, where's Peter Cushing then? <laughs> and I had, to, and I do actually have a nod to him where they say, he goes, he's, um, there's the one with the moustache. And he says, uh, he goes, uh, uh, and it, it's just, no, he's over here. 
then who's this one? <laughs> and just, you know, something like that. Because I, I know that some fans just go, well, where's Peter Cushing? And I, I think I think one comment has said, like, where's Rowan Atkinson, Richard E. Grant, and <laughs> Jim Brock? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, to them, I just went, I think I just clicked hide comment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it, isn't it? It's like, well, that's like, fair, I, I consider that service to protect them from everyone. <laughs> well there you go i mean i mean that's like saying that the the doctor in your fan fiction where's he who played the doctor in your fan fiction well, obviously it was me <laughs> well there you go uh, you know what well where's the chris thompson doctor then <laughs> there, there is an anno- annoyingly a there's like a fan wiki thing and they someone has written on there and put me on there a few other things on there and there's a page that was, I don't know if it still exists, I hopefully have requested it to be removed at some point in the past. Never mind, <laughs> we'll, we'll find out now. It says like the Chris Thompson, the Christopher Thompson Doctor. And I was like, fuck off. So tell us about the Christopher Thompson Doctor. Fuck knows, I think he was a shit tenant. Basically doing what Jodie Whittaker was doing. Uh, <laughs> Just their best David Tennant impression. <laughs> that was it, wasn't it? It's, I used to, I mean, no disrespect, Chris, I used to see a lot of these. It was mainly sort of in the late 2000s. A lot of these videos came out. And I used to, and I, I, I still today think it would be worth doing like a parody of all of these like things. Because it was always to me, and I, and I haven't seen your video, so I, I might be wrong. But it seemed to me that every single doctor in these fan fictions was always kind of, they had their school trousers on. <laughs> 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 some some uh, some converse tra- converse trainers because you know tenant war trainers um and they had like their dad's coat on which was the long coat and then like a tie that again they borrowed off their dad and they'd sort of put their hair sweepy to one side and you're right like tenant they do a lot of ah oh, oh Oh, and they'd make him a bit posh for some reason, because, you know, they'd sort of go, oh, well, you know me, I'm the doctor, not that sort of doctor. Once took a photo, I was, uh, I was, I was thinking about doing a parody one, and it was going to be like Doctor Who and the copyright infringement. <laughs> Two things they'd always start the show with, and uh, one thing was they'd have like a TARDIS noise and something like that, and they'd always run out, and they'd obviously they'd have cosplay, so they'd always run out dressed as David Tennant, as if they'd just regenerated from David Tennant. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. Um, or they would have their friend play another version of the Doctor um, <laughs> and they'd have him just walk out and collapse and then they would re- just so they could film the regeneration well there was one fan film where it was like it was, my Doctor had died so he obviously regenerated and my friend agreed oh, spoiler alert bloody hell I haven't even watched this it's, it's, it's terrible uh, but anyway there was a film uh, that we sort of a feature-ish length film version we, we we did and it took about seven years to make purely because which is also the other cliche that hasn't been brought up yet is uh that um everyone if anyone has a girlfriend they're usually <laughs> asked to be if they're compatible <laughs> and uh mine uh, uh left me uh so we had to recast <laughs> i'll tell you that was therapeutic though because uh, I actually tried to, I tried to make it a bit more serious. I tried to really proper do a proper, and I actually think it did a good job. Actually, I think it holds heads and shoulders above anyone else with a DSLR filming in their garage. We had like I got like people, other fan doctors, to sort of play characters in it. So it was like a bit of a collaboration. 
But yeah, it was so therapeutic though, because when I had the new actress, who's a good friend of mine now, uh, editing, we filmed her, like some scenes, obviously again, but there were some where we just couldn't get all the cast together. So I ended up filming her separately and then digitally removing my ex from every (laughs) frame (laughs) and inserting the new actress in front of it. And and it it actually works quite well. (laughs) But it was the closest thing to murder I did (laughs) of uh, erasing a person from life. Um, (laughs) We did did the film. It took seven years. Yeah, it took about years to edit. I lost interest by the fourth year. But ended up Tony Coburn was in it, but we won't go into more detail about that. Oh, uh, so we uh, <laughs> years later managed. I got it out, much to his annoyance. Uh, then obviously revelations come about, so I had to take it offline. But uh, I couldn't care less at that point. I'd finished it. It's done. If anyone wants to see it, I've got a download for it. <laughs> well, hang on. I think. Come on, surely, uh, Martin. That has got to be a podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's one right there. It's got to be the video podcast. It needs to be us three reacting to watching it. It's got to be done. Yeah, that's, that's concrete now. That's just sick and cruel. <laughs> to be fair, I'm not in it. I just direct it. But and it's not about it. It's got, we got, we got like um, a, few, a couple of guys from the Five Who fans. They played. Uh, they did a web series called Time Agent years ago, which they're bringing back. They were in it as them as their characters in it. It was quite a nice. It was quite a nice film. I think it actually is quite. It's, but it's. <laughs> there are some cliches that I wanted to include in there, in the edit because I just thought there in every fan film without a doubt, and I thought this film could be no exception. There has to be a random tripod standing there. <laughs> <laughs> it happens all the time. Every fan film, they take the camera off the tripod because obviously. They haven't got a cameraman. They put it on the tripod, record, press record, and then go in front of it. So when they finally do handheld, they just forget about the tripod. <laughs> <that's there. laughs> They're like that, and to be honest, with the budget, that could look like an alien. So you go, oh, hang on, who's this? Who's this? Just walks in. It's a spider, darling. And then, no, no, it's just the tripod. Well, there was one shot that left it in, and I was like, yeah, I'm gonna keep that in there for a bit of a, <laughs> a bit of an Easter, a bit of a nice Easter egg for people. <laughs> I've got to ask, how did you do your regeneration? I think it's with After Effects or something. Brilliant. But it, wasn't, but it wasn't like what everyone else does, which is the yellow glow yeah. thing, you know, with the arms out as if they're That's 3D it. renders, you know. I've never understood why the Doctor regenerates like that. It's just a new thing now, isn't it? That everyone regenerates stood up. Oh, other than the, the thing, the, the only person to regenerate lying down was the um, the war, um, like, soldier, the Time Lord soldier. Again, that's where Moffat, again, ruins the... Th- thing it oh that's that's like infame infamously one of the worst scenes like yeah new series people hate that one he just regenerates into her which is fine that's perfectly fine there's no i'm not moaning about that it's the fact that he can't help but put in the gag in there which is they're going god a first time i was a man what an ego sort of thing and just just completely ruined the whole thing the whole point of that bit was just just to you know to be shrugged over and go oh yeah but no, but Moffitt can't do that. He has to make the joke. So talking about regenerations, Hugh Grant has recently said that he really regrets turning down Doctor Who. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I heard that because he, uh, what was the reason he turned it down for? He basically thought it was going to be camp and like the curse of fatal death. And then he said he watched it because RTD offered him the role of the ninth Doctor. 
Oh, yeah, and he thought it wasn't going to work, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, but remember, again, this was a completely different era. This is where film stars weren't really doing TV. Whereas nowadays, it's it's not unusual for Ewan McGregor to go and do a TV series. Yeah. And like even Hugh Grant has done one now with Very English Scandal. But back then, it would have seemed like a step down. So I guess maybe that played into it as well. Who was the other one? That they... Alan Cumming, wasn't he? He was, he was asked... But he turned it down, he said, because he heard he had to live in Cardiff for a long time. (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever heard Alan Cummins' story about a convention? No. Will Young has a podcast called Homo Sapiens. It's where he interviews, like, gay people of note. And I did one, it was called Collector Mania, with the emphasis on the mania. And I did it, and guess who it was? Milton Keynes. But it was actually, you know, I got paid, you know, they flew me and Grant and my husband over. And I was like, oh, I'll go and see my parents in London, it'll be lovely. I got, a, you know, a chunk of change and you got paid in cash. Really? Which I love. Aretha Franklin. I love style. cash. It's yeah. Totally. <laughs> and I did it and it was in Milton Keynes in the shopping mall in the centre of Milton Keynes. And it was a sort of a thing for lots of sci-fi. There's like a hobbit next to me and a Star Wars man. The original Uhura from Star Wars was there, that lady. It was like a massive sci-fi thing and it was I just felt like such a whore. Really? I really didn't enjoy it. And people like you would go, aisle number nine, Alan Cumming, X-Men, there's only 10 people at his line, it's a good time to go there now, playing. And then, so the next day when it was finished, it was two days, and then you waited and got your um, cash. Mm. And then I went home to the hotel and I, I took my top off and put all the w- things of cash, like a bank robber, you know, all the cash <laughs> comes in those little, little bands. And yeah. I put the cash all over me and I made Grant take a photo of me to remind myself never to do this again. <laughs> Is that what you do, Chris, after you attend? I don't get paid for them. They pay for the hotel room, but that was about it. That's fine with me. I'm I'm completely small fry in comparison to everyone else at these conventions. One thing the the Curse of Fatal Death didn't do is it didn't ever sort of it mocked the show, but didn't mock uh, so much the fandom. I mean, it was there were jokes for the fandom. So kind of like it felt like, oh, we're a part of it. A bit like, I suppose, in a way, what you guys do. I mean, you do like the disgruntled fan and things like that. And you do a lot of jokes about um, yeah, about the fandom, which obviously being at these cons works works really, really well. Yeah, I think they, they could just relate to it. I love doing the disgruntled fan ones because they really do just... Uh, it's When you look online, and you, they just feel this energy that I have to take the piss out of them. It's just so they just can't help themselves. It's like when you hear someone who's like some middle-aged bloke be really sexist, you know, and you sort of, you almost have to laugh because you're like, do you listen to yourself? <laughs> it sounds ridiculous. <laughs> well, exactly. Uh, yeah. But I, th- I think the good thing about that bit you do as well is that we, we all at some point have recognized ourselves as that disgruntled fan. You know, my <laughs> wife, very, very, uh, just put it out brilliantly to me not long ago. I was moaning about something in the new series. It was when we were watching the Jodie Whittaker series, which is actually the first series she's really enjoyed. Um, and we were watching it, and we, and I moaned about something. Oh, it doesn't make sense. And I was like, this is the problem with the new series. And the new series is this. She goes, you, you moan a lot about the new series. I was like, well, you know, you know. She goes, but there is a new series. That's what you need to realise. Like, you yeah. have the... You have you're lucky to have this new show and have it at all because it was dead in like 1989 and then there's this new show and you moan about it. It sort of makes you think, yeah, but we're all guilty of doing that. We're kind of we're oh, kind yeah. of very lucky that we can that we can all sit here now. Dude, we it, without the new series, we we wouldn't be sat here now talking. We probably wouldn't no. have met. And I think you can laugh at yourself. You look at something you've whinged about and gone, 
oh, fucking hell, why am I moaning about a kids' show? Like, oh my dear, it's like, it's great though. I mean, it's part of the fun. I think, to be honest, Doctor Who fans, we do like a good moan about it because it, the, the show, and what makes the show so great is it's it's different to everyone else. What it means to each person, I mean, it, it means something to, to, to both of you different than it does me, but we all have that that great thing about it. We all have our favourites, our least favourites, and things like that. And it is kind of excellent that we can have our own that we hate. It's kind of like football in a way. I mean, like, I love football, but I have teams I, I love, obviously, and I have teams that I hate. And it, and it's that sort of thing that is great. Everyone's got a, a doctor they don't like, or uh, everyone's got an episode they just hate, and everyone's got a type of fan who like that episode they hate, you know. It's, yeah. it's great, really, when you think about it. Yeah, that's that's the point of this kind of thing, because it does take the mick out of not just the complete complaining fans but it also does take uh, a bit of the maker out of the people they're complaining at as well you know like we did originally we started off with like a few little slight jabs at the time team in a sense not mm. necessarily uh malicious ones but sort of things like and he says i'm appalled that uh that there doesn't seem to be anyone over the age of 28 by which i mean me uh <laughs> <laughs> which you know it could, oh no i took a piss of them i did have a go that sort of uh, stab at the radio times in this lace latest one which was that the because there's a bit of a narrative with the disgruntled fan the disgruntled fan um in his last one was actually deciding to give something else a go having some come to a sort of realization that actually hang on a minute i'm a bit of a dick <laughs> i maybe i should sort myself out watch something else that won't annoy me in any way I'll, I'll watch Star Trek instead. Uh, and then, uh, then obviously this one, it picks up where he says, Oh, by the way, I've moved on. <laughs> uh, and then, and then, uh, yeah, I, I love Star Trek a lot. I've only watched the first two seasons of the, of the original series and I'm loving it so far. And, uh, <laughs> and then eventually just crumbles into, I need the show. I need to moan. <laughs> I says, I was doing so well until I read a radio times article. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think that's what Radio Times exists for now, isn't it? It's just clickbait and annoyance. Yeah. It's not about the Times the TV guide anymore. <laughs> I forgot they even did a TV guide, if I'm honest. Yeah. <laughs> do, people, do people even get them anymore? I I don't, I don't, everyone gets the I always get my Christmas one don't get me wrong Christmas uh, one yeah 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 but other than that I, I literally wouldn't be surprised if you went into to Smith's or wherever tomorrow opened it up and it was just blank pages <laughs> <laughs> it's just if a show it's, really it's, it's, it says we know you don't read it <laughs> <laughs> but go online and we'll tell you why you know, Bond might be a woman I don't know she probably won't be but you know we, we put it in the article enjoy <laughs> so what's interesting about Curse of the Fatal Death <laughs> <laughs> to bring it back around is that Julia Sawala was originally intended to replace Ace in series 27 oh was she? was she yeah she was going to be a cat burglar character which they've since done audios for on Big Finish because of course they have but not with her. I knew I knew about the character. I did know there was there's going to be the idea that the ace was obviously going to go to uh, Gallifrey, and then there was going to be this cat burglar woman. Because wasn't it like this story was like she was going to open a safe, and then the doctor was going to be inside it, and then um, and all that. But I didn't know it was going to be Julia Swaller. That that well, well, pretty pretty good casting actually. There's a bunch of big finish audios where they took Cartmel's ideas and and they made a series of them. I think they do that with a lot of things now, don't they on Doctor Who? I mean, I did hear they were thinking of doing a season 6B, but they can't find anyone to do Patrick Troughton. 
I know. Where, where can you get a patch of trout and impersonate well, in these days? There, there, there's no one. You've got a lot of these people who, who think they can do uh, it. I don't know. I think Fraser Hines is pretty good. Um, <laughs> it's worth a, worth a punt. <laughs> Fatal death. Jonathan Bryce is wearing his Tomorrow Never Dies costume under his cloak. That's interesting. I suppose it is quite master-like, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Gonna, that was gonna... one thing I, I, I did make a couple of notes down actually uh about for tonight and i've pretty much disregarded all of them but i definitely would say that jonathan price the highlight of that thing is jonathan price is a really good master and i watched tomorrow never dies recently it was it keeps being shown on the few brosnan films being shown on itv um late at night yeah. and um he was on and uh i was watching and i thought oh actually he would have been a really good master oh he still could be he still could be yeah he's really good i loved him in the in tomorrow never dies i mm. thought he was i still love elliot carver uh, i just think he's one of the best one of the better villains i've had in there just steals the show every time every scene he's in he's he steals it no but he was superb as the master and he uh, thing is he didn't play it any other way than straight as well which is why mm. like, you know you get rowan atkinson being rowan atkinson yeah, as the was. doctor and then you've got obviously the the rest of them richard e grant being richard e grant but he just played it so straight i believe he certainly was he followed delgado see i thought he was channeling anthony ainley myself oh there's a bit of that isn't there yeah, yeah. It's, it's just he's a classic series master basically um and mm. done really well you're right to me um Rowan Atkinson was playing it as Black Adder. Look, you know that sort of smooth Black Adder goes forth character. That's sort of a, it's a bit of a looser uh, Black Adder, yeah, mm. yeah. Say hello to the sofa of reasonable comfort. Yeah, you know. One thing I find quite funny is <laughs> that they obviously have the shots in the TARDIS and the columns going up and down really like erratically. Oh, it's mental, isn't it? Is that supposed to be a joke or? That is, um, it's a very fan film TARDIS concert. Yeah, it's just, it's like someone under these violent going up and down like mad. <laughs> the sets are fan made, they were borrowed from fans. Can you, can you imagine these, you know, the because it's definitely obviously pushed manually. The biceps on this, on tricep, on this, well, on this, on the operator of that must be fucking insane. They're just bench pressing, like, yeah. Like, Rockstead or something. Yeah, they, they, it is a bit crazy. They're, that. they're doing about 100 reps a take. Oh, another thing worth mentioning is I uh, obviously did my, my revision and uh, I, I watched this as well online today. And whatever version they've got online, it almost seems unfinished. Like it's a final draft because I found another version of it on, on uh, another site and it's completely different. So a couple of things are the music's different. You know the shot when they opens the door and there's Daleks behind? There was only like three Daleks behind, but in the actual televised one, there's loads. They've kind of like just used the image o over and over again to make it look like there's a load of them. And the other thing is when the Dalek shoots, nothing comes out. Like there's just some sparks that go off in the studio yeah. and falls down. But in the original, I remember the Dalek effect looking really cool. They'd updated the yeah, effects. Yeah, yeah. It shoots across the room and sort of, you know, highlights them in negative and everything. So it is strange that the only version online, and it's also similar to, do you remember the um, Children in Need, Doctor Who, where um, David Tennant appears for the first time? There's an odd version of that online as well. Yeah, where, like, that, that, that's also... Hear the set moving. That's on the blue uh, on the on the Blu-ray and the DVD as well because I went to go and rewatch it and all the music that's gone. The only thing you hear in it is effectively, as you say, the set breathing. You've got yeah. the sound of every creak and everything. It is there's no music to it at all. And I remember being quite when he starts going ah, you know, and then the music kicks in. But in this, it's just it it 
it feels like it's uh, just the take. So it's a real cringeworthy yeah. bit. It's really awkward, isn't it? Because yeah. I, the music in it, I remember, was really good as it was like crashing and coming down to earth and things like that. Also, there's this quite nice music when he does the bit when he holds a hand and says, the first thing I ever said to you was run. And there's none of it. And also, it's there's yeah. no um, grading to it, to the scene. No. It's all just filmed like you're at one end of a set. And it's so the, the sound's awful. The, yeah. the, the, the whole thing's bright. It actually looks like an 80s episode. And you're right. You can hear it's like the, the column going. It's yeah. like, what the hell is this? And then even the, the cloister bell. It's like I, a thought I, was go- I generally thought I was going mad. Yes, uh, did I. Uh, <laughs> I thought, this isn't it. It's definitely had more of a sound design and uh, whatnot to it than the last than this clip is. Yeah. I thought Chris Thompson's fan fiction film was better than this. <laughs> Jonathan Price is a, is a highlight there. Mm. Um, I, well, the Daleks, obviously, because they're not quite right, are they? Were they borrowed or something? They, they must have been. Hello, they Martin. Must- <laughs> he's he's falling asleep. He's falling asleep. He's just like, oh, just let it roll. <laughs> <laughs> oh, then, oh, is he back? No, uh, yeah, he sorry, the doorbell went. Sorry. Oh, doorbell. Oh, yeah. yeah, I've heard that one. So <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're off. I might as well just leave it to it. Uh, <laughs> right, went, right, downstairs, we... <laughs> went downstairs, put the kettle on. <laughs> I'll edit it later. I'll edit it later. <laughs> There was, there we, we thought you might have the facts on this because you've got some good facts normally for this bit. Is uh, the Daleks that are in there? Are, are they bar- were they made specifically for it, or were they borrowed props? Because they uh, look a little bit yeah, they dodgy. Were, everything like the sets and the Daleks and everything were all borrowed from fans. That makes sense, really, doesn't it? <laughs> what, what was the point in making fan films back then? Because at least you know when you did yours, you know you this will go out on YouTube. There's lots of Doctor Who fans that enjoy it. What did they do? Just finish making it and go, "Yep, well, we've done that." Get yeah. a VHS of that. Maybe they put them on VHS and then sold them at cons. I don't know. There is a group that uh, used to make them in the '90s. Projection Room is their production name, but they still go to uh, usually Hooverville. And they do actually uh, sort of flog their DVDs of, of their stories. Are they the guys who did the one with uh, John Pertwee in? No, that's a different group. Although, uh, funny enough, did I have uh, met the people behind that. I was meant to be doing something for them, but uh, I think they've only just got around to editing and releasing them. I still find that absolutely insane that that happened. Apparently, for that exact, for that fan film, John Pertwee gave a sort of, he said, said I'll do it but you can't release it anywhere. Uh, he was quite strict about that. You can't release it anywhere. It, it, it can't be shown. It is just a private project. That's it. But he turned up, had a great time, changed his mind. Well, at this point, you know, Pertwee was, was a legend, you know, of, of screen mm. and, and television. And I just think, at what point did he just go, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what I fancy doing today. Going to just appear in these people making a film in their garden. It's quite crazy how that happens. It's equivalent now of us doing a podcast and um, Hugh Grant going, you know, oh, I hear you're doing a podcast about the the, the curse of fatal death. I'd like to be in it. <laughs> I was going to attempt an impression then, and I don't normally do. But I, when when Chris is on the podcast, I, I don't feel I can uh, oblige. But, uh, well, to be honest, we don't need anyone while we've got Chris, do we? That's true. Chris, we were thinking of getting um, uh, Matt Smith down to film this scene. Would you like? Can we get him, please? Okay. There he is. How, is. Can make, how can you make it sound like him by just saying the words okay and you go yeah, that's matt smith saying okay it's mostly whispers small things like that 
because uh, uh, most of the time his his voice is quite quiet. Imagine how much they have to amplify his voice just for television. Just a few things like goes, okay, that's a like day of the doctor, isn't it? So he just said, he goes, are you ready? You know, he goes, okay, and go or something like that. I can't remember, but the little key things like that. It's like Troughton wanting to just go as, <clears throat> and it's pretty much there. Oh, it's so ridiculously good. It sounds more like Patrick Troughton. I was watching, um, I think I told you last time I talked, I watched the War Games for the first time. Mm. And I was watching Patrick Troughton, um, you know, the infamous scene of, uh, you know, sending him down to earth. Such a good scene. But I was thinking, Patrick Troughton's not as good as Christopher Thompson, though, is he? <laughs> <laughs> Christopher Thompson in this bit, just dub him over, because he sounds more like him than he does. Can you do all the Doctors, then? No, not, very, not all of them. Can no. you do all the Fatal Death Doctors? <laughs> uh, no idea. R- R- Rowan Atkinson, I strangely was able to do before puberty really hit me. Now that is, I don't understand why I've lost that ability. <laughs> if it was Mr. Bean, I could do it. Um, you know, I'm trying to think. Hugh Grant, I just can't. You did it better than I probably could. No, you go, go, give it a go. I, 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 I can't remember what have what he really does apart from the. Uh, 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 that's it. Great, <laughs> that's actually really good. Richard Hugh Grant. I originally Grant, I sort of compared to my Mark Gatiss impression, which because uh, if you start off as Mark and just bring it down a little like that or something, like that, I don't know. It's um, almost, lick the mirror, handsome. You know, uh, just, uh, there's something um, slightly similar about those two voices. Ben. I used to be able to do like uh, get your guess and licky under control <laughs> <laughs> when he used to do those adverts. <laughs> oh, I don't <laughs> seem to be into golf now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Joanna Lumley, go. Go on. Oh Christ! Just get the tits out. Uh, no idea. I can't do that one. <laughs> She's uh, sort of uh, been uh, always <laughs> like she's just a uh, uh, intercourse of some sort. You know, it's very like that. It's quite breathy, darling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there we go. There we go. Go back to Jim Broadbent. He's an interesting one, isn't he? He's a very, very famous actor and been used for lots of things, you know, uh, mm. television a lot when we were younger and then obviously now with movies. But, you know, it's quite amazing because he's got a bit of a speech impediment, hasn't he? Has he? Yeah, if you listen to him, he's, he's sort of, he can't, he's not completely clear. I remember watching him recently on Fools and Horses and he's sort of, I don't know. He, oh, come on, Dill. Oh, okay. yeah, it's that sort of thing. I yeah. think it was never right your own impression. <laughs> now, for the last time of asking, where yeah. did you take the microwave from the lorry? I think you can't say it's ours. I think that's what it is. I know like, R- no. Atkinson's got a bit of a thing with his bees, hasn't he? You know, mob. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing when he does that, because that, that's giving him his funny voice, doesn't it? That speech impediment. Oh. Thinking about it, because we've gone through it, other than the changing of the Doctors, there isn't much of a cast, is there, for Fatal Death? It's just the three of them. And uh, is it Roy, Roy Skelton who does the Daleks in that? Yeah, this was his last time ever voicing the Daleks. Oh, I'm surprised they haven't brought Rainbow back, so I think Nick Briggs's next step will be that. I think it's the, <laughs> it's the, right, it's the right passage, isn't it? Isn't all the, aren't all the zippy voices Dalek? I'm, uh, I'm right in thinking. Yeah, like, Roy Skelton like sound that. like yeah. I thought Peter Hawkins did. Well, might be, that might be before Rainbow, but I'm definitely Roy Skelton did. Yeah, Roy Skelton, yeah, was Roy obviously... Skelton definitely did Rainbow. Yeah, he did yeah. Um, George and uh, Zippy because I remember he, he used to. For some reason, with him, he used to make me cringe because he was on those. Um, 
he was on those uh, like like videos used to get like the the Cybermen years and the Dalek years. <laughs> and and what he'd do is he'd always make sure he got his impression in, but like he'd get it in really quickly. They'd gone a little bit too long. And and like the thing is he always forgot that his voices had like digital like they changed it so when he did a dalek voice he'd obviously talk through the um the old bbc uh like microphone yeah. but what he'd do is he'd, he'd do his uh interviews and he would just say them so there's this really cringe bit he, he tries to do like the original sideman voice and he goes on a little bit too long and you can just tell the people behind the camera thinking oh please stop sorry roy it's well i think even nick briggs has said you can't really do a dalek voice without a modulator yeah if, if otherwise you're all you're doing is shouting like this or something like that. And it just, you look ridiculous. Certainly. He's pissing luck, that man. Because you think yeah, that's where he started making little like videos, didn't he? And audios and things like that and films. And then there he is. He's he's the Dalek. I think, yeah, when it came up to the, the Daleks coming back, he was the only person they could do it. They actually got him in to do, uh, if I heard rightly, they, they got him in to do the Jadoon quite suddenly. And he wasn't exactly sure what he was meant to be voicing. And then eventually got, saw them and was like, oh, bro, bro, you know, all that. Mm. That was the, um, the similarly enough, going back to Roy, Roy Skeleton, he, I don't think he knew what the Cybermen were when he did the original voice. He didn't see them. We were just told, oh, they're, they're uh, people who turned into machines. So we just mixed it as a slow speaking human. Yeah, it's well. It was uh, Peter Hawking was the was the lead was the main one, uh, mainly for the Cybermen in like Moonbase and Tomb of the Cybermen, yeah. uh, which I still think is the best voice they've ever yeah. had. Yeah. We did a our ways. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> I love that. I actually uh, found out uh, one how they did it, uh, but there's a guy uh, uh, David Burgess who um, he recorded them for uh, one of my Troughton audios, the mm. Patient Menace, where I said we need those Tomb Cybermen voices, otherwise. I'm not going to do a Cyberman story, and uh, it, well, we asked him. I didn't just say I did. Just tell him that fact. <laughs> um, he kindly offered. He kindly offered to do it. Actually, has the same sort of apparatus that they had for at the time, and it's effectively like it's quite dangerous in the sense. It's like tubes in your mouth. Effectively, the words aren't actually spoken in the Cybermen for those ones. They're actually mimed. You sort of. Um, it's how you, you know, like when you shape your mouth and you sort of go, oh, yeah, yeah. it's like that. It's a, it's a buzz. It obviously, uh, that it comes to, that sound is made, but it's shaped by your voice and your mouth movements, uh, which is why at the end of everything, they also say we will survive. Uh, they always have like an ah uh, at the end. It's the breath. That, oh, that's quite cool. That That is a great voice they've got for that. Yeah, a shame no Cybermen in uh, Fatal Death. Actually, I thought they would have done because it seemed to me actually that the Cybermen were always the butt of jokes in any parody, and you thought they would have he would have shoehorned them in somewhere, and yeah. we would have had that because like there is that scene in the Russell Davis Davis era when you had sort of Daleks versus Cybermen, and I thought actually a parody would be a good place to first have them kind of face off in that yeah. kind of uh, sassy having a go at each other kind of way, which. Um, was kind of all right in that final story in the Torchwood um, final of uh, series two. I imagine in the hands of Moffat, that would have been ridiculous. There's a great parody somewhere for, that someone's put online. I forgot who it was who's done it, but they've done like, uh, I think it's called like the bitch fight of um, of a Canary Wharf, and he's revoiced the side men and the and, the, <laughs> and they're re- and they're really petty with each other. It's really well written, actually. It's really funny. But I remember, but someone in the comments below just went, "This is what would have happened if Moffat wrote that story." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a, yeah. He goes, This is pest control. And then there's an awkward silence. 
and they've edited it to just have everybody looking awkward. And it goes, oh, well, how long did it take for you to come up with that? Um, well, actually, it wasn't my line. And actually, you're you're the idiot, mate. If anyone is like, no, you're an idiot. No, you're an idiot. No, you're an idiot. And it's really better. No, you're not an idiot. <laughs> I can't imagine how that's something you might know, Martin, is how the idea about Fatal Death came about. Because at the, at the same time, we've got to remember that a Doctor Who parody now on telly, fine, like loads of it. You'd see it a lot everywhere. It's one of the, still one of the most popular shows on the BBC. But for 1999, <laughs> and you're talking about Comic Relief, which is a huge mainstream show. Back in the 90s, you know, surely 20, 25 million viewers. And even we talked about... Um, Back when it was funny. <laughs> well, yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't get started on that. Jesus. But if you look back and you think of like, even when they did the Children in Need one uh, in 1993, when Doctor had only been off the air a couple of years and it was an anniversary, they still thought, well, hang on, we need to put EastEnders into this so that we don't alienate our huge audience. But for 99, they've just gone, nah, we're going to do a full parody of Doctor Who with a lot, let's be honest, with a lot of in jokes for the fandom. I'm not really sure, but I know originally it was just meant to be 10 minutes long. Oh, really? Yeah, but Moffat overwrote and overwrote and overwrote. And then Richard Curtis later begrudgingly said, okay, you can have 22 minutes. 99 was kind of when Tom Baker was having his big resurgence. And although I'd never really seen Doctor Who at that time, I knew what it was. I knew what a TARDIS was. I knew what a Dalek was. I knew who Tom Baker was. Yeah. So maybe it's always been there in the public consciousness. So maybe it's not that big of a leap that they would have put it on. I forget he was 17 then, but at the same time, you only got into Doctor Who with the new series yeah, mainly, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's such a TARDIS team. <laughs> kids, eh? Chris, these kids. <laughs> oh, I love Tenon. Oh, of course you do. Yeah. Oh. No, yeah, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> these new series lot, Chris. Let's not talk to him anymore. Doorbell. <laughs> Doorbell. But that that's a good point then. That that actually goes to the point that you said when you saw it, you um you turned it off because you thought, Well, what the hell's this? But yeah, that's yeah. the point that you would have had millions of people watching it and you had all these like um I remember uh, funnily enough, I remember this, uh, for like Boys Own were doing the song that year. Yeah, it was very nineties, and then suddenly you go, Oi, hey, do you remember Doctor Who? No, it's been off the air for ten years. Yeah. Do you remember it? Well, I kind of remember a bit of it. Well, here is a great 20-minute parody of it. <laughs> like, Mr. Bean's in it. Is he being Mr. Bean? No. Is he being Blackadder? Mm, sort of. He's not being Blackadder, is he? No. But look, it's the bloke from Tomorrow Never Dies. Yeah, that was a good film. What's he doing in this, pretending to be a guy called the... Like, I can't imagine how it got on air or why Stephen Moffat did it, because I can't think of what Moffat was doing at the time. The most recent thing would have been Press Gang. Okay, so that explains... Coupling was 2000. So maybe yeah. he was writing coupling around the time that this broadcast. It's, it's very odd. I mean, maybe Mark Gatiss would have helped him with it because because like League of Gentlemen was getting quite big at the time, and obviously it was in comedy and things like that. Yeah, but it's it's still just a very strange thing to have happened. Very very strange thing <laughs> it that it, it happened in general. I mean, even people talk about how weird um, dimensions in time is, and those people are heathens and they're not to be trusted. But at least it made sense. At least it was still the 30th anniversary. They mixed it with something that was very much in the mainstream media and, and that sort of thing in EastEnders and everything. But this just comes out of nowhere. They just go, oh, now it's Doctor Who. Oh, okay. The other thing is as well is that it, it did, and I think we touched on the video, apparently it did have quite a successful video release. I saw it in the video shop back when they had video shops. Hmm. Uh, and they, yeah, the cassette was there. Only when it, I, to be honest, I only went into that place because I saw Doctor Who VHS in there. Mm. Um, what I said to my mum, can, can I? I've got pocket money. Can I buy another one? 
and uh, came well, home. Only, he was only 24 at the time. I was, was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yes, well, <laughs> well, that threw me. That did. <laughs> oh, I phased you. So that's. It's all uh, I felt. I, I. I don't know whether I was insulted or flattered. I really. Both <laughs> um, uh, in weird ways. <laughs> Timey wimey stuff. Um, so you said you're in there and you wanted to get a video from. NBC. Yeah, I, we walked in there and once I saw, I just saw like I think it was Spearhead from Space. That was the first one I got. Went back there, got. For some reason, Resurrection of the Daleks. Uh, I think it's just because I saw Daleks on it. But yeah, we used to, I used to see that one, uh, Curse of Fatal Death, there all the time. And that's the thing that's interesting, right? And we talk about, how, again, how it's highly regarded by the fans. And I think it's the fact that it was treated very much like... I would say, honestly, it was given... And I'm, people might argue this, but I swear it was given the same respect as, like, Scream of Shelka. Like, when the video came out, it was pushed quite a lot. And if you look at the video, you could, you know, I'd say anyone listening, just just Google image it. It's designed that video in the same way that the real series was designed. Do you know what I mean? With the logo yeah. and the, the the way the way it's designed, it was always like a bit of a pattern on there with a faded face at that. And I think it was really because it was only twenty minutes. It was released alongside other sketches from um, from two. Mm. So there was there was the Lenny Henry sketch was in there. There's a French and Saunders sketch which I think they filmed during the Trial of a Time Lord. That's in there. Um, and, and various other just sort of over the years, BBC com- comedians sort of taking the mick out of, uh, out of Doctor Who. So it, it is very uh, a Victoria Wood one as well. Um, so it was it was quite a big video release. It was basically like all the parodies that the BBC had done and all these top comedians mm. had done of Doctor Who all put onto one VHS, which I think it made it quite highly regarded. It but hasn't, the, hasn't made it to DVD, has it? Am I right in thinking that? No. Well. Uh, I don't think so, no. There was something someone said the other day, which actually I thought was a brilliant idea. They said, technically, he said, why if we did the, uh, we got the TV movie in there mm. uh, for one of the, you know, like the Blu-ray collections, and then just do a collection based on the wilderness years? Funny you should say that, because when I was doing the uh, We Are Cult um, live show, uh, mm. Chris Chapman was there. He had a... Yeah, um, he did oh, he's he's nice. I've got a chat to him at Hooverville. Uh, just got nice. really yeah. nice plan. Yeah, he did. He did. He didn't follow me to my new Twitter account. That was very <laughs> sad. He followed me because we and him really got on, and we I think we were quite similar in the sense that like he he's really into like Doctor Who and stuff, and he said it was mm. it's quite a funny thing because he spends a lot of time watching it, and then his wife's in the same room, and they have to alternate between um uh you know Doctor Who and Love Island, and I'm like yes, that's my life too. Like that's <laughs> like, literally. I'll be like, do you want to watch this episode of Doctor Who? She goes, absolutely not. I say tough luck. I make sure it comes off for nine. We get an hour of Love Island, and then it's back on to uh you know the the the, uh, the androids of tara and uh, then she goes up <laughs> and i said it's, it's that sort of thing we were talking about that and um i got on really really well and i was like oh mate you know and i tweeted him and he tweeted back and then then i got my new account and he didn't follow me very sad so chris if you're listening he's not um please please follow me uh i, I miss you um no but we when he was there it was it was good and he did a bit of a q a and there was a question of um where would the paul mcgann movie sit like what's going to happen is it just going to sit on a on a on a blu-ray and there was kind of all these ideas. It ended up just being a lot, him basically being heckled by an audience who had different ideas. So some people were like, well, no, you just put that on in the Night of the Doctor and that's it. And everybody just gets on with it. And they were like, oh, no, no, what you could do is you could put it on and then put on the best of his um, big finish things. And then someone said they should put all his big finish things on. And then it, and then it, he said, 
in his theory, I don't know, obviously this isn't official or anything, but I think his point of view was from a fan standpoint that he would probably think it would be part of just this big um, Wilderness Years Blu-ray set, which would have obviously on the front of it McGann as it has the other Doctors on the other Blu-rays, but it would include, you know, um, Dimensions in Time, it would include um, Curse of Fatal Death, yeah. uh, Doctor Who Night Links and all these sort of things. I don't, Yeah, I saw someone tweet about it. I, I said to him, you, you, you should call, it should just be called The Wilderness collection or something mm-hmm. like that because effectively the tv movie was even though it is canon mm-hmm. in the wilderness years yeah it was yeah yeah um yeah i think you probably even put deviance on there i suppose maybe i don't know well hopefully they won't put my fucking stuff on it <laughs> well i hope it, well, that's definitely going on i mean that's I assume that's gonna get its own blu-ray release but you know it's obviously since then you've gone on to do the audio series with uh patrick troutman um, which has been great. I've li- I think I'm, I mean we're talking a little while back now. I remember listening to a couple of them. Are you, is that I think you've said you, you're just going to do them, aren't you? It's just them as kind of an almost ser- well like series six B style, and that's it. They're sort of in C series five. See, yeah, so season five, sort of uh, mid, yeah. Which I was sad about because, of course, yeah, you know, I I was expecting the call that I'd be playing one of my favourite companions, Ben, but uh, unfortunately, <laughs> it wasn't to be. <laughs> he is one of my favourites, Ben, and I was so angry in the uh, Twice Upon a Time that oh, have oh you seen? God, yeah, my God. Since when was Ben posh? Come along, Doctor. Doctor, what is the matter? Like, oh, that's not how he talks. No, ben was good. I loved okay. Ben. He was basically Tommy Robinson in space. <laughs> 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 It was... Oh, I hope they put that on the next DVD. <laughs> oh, but like he was—he made no sense. Like, oh, I, I love it that like it's very of its time. But Ben is not of his time, which I love because like I watched uh, one of my favorite stories of all time is Moonbase, and I just love the way that everything would probably be a lot simpler. Like, basically, it's a three-parter is uh, Moonbase, but it's four parts because a lot of it is Ben kicking off about stuff. He's just going out, like, he got, he's basically been dragged up because you've got, like, obviously the, the Doctor playing, you know, the, the brilliant Patrick Trout just playing it as the Doctor himself. You've got Polly, who is this kind of 1960s swinging cool girl. She's basically kind of like the Twiggy of, like, you know, we can't afford Twiggy, but we've got Polly, who's this gorgeous <laughs> woman. She's kind of, you know, hey, you know, she's got that sort of, hello, that sort of BBC, oh, Doctor, you know, that sort of voice. Then you've got kind of Jamie, who's, uh, you know, this kind of, um, He's unconscious for most of it because they just didn't have a part written for him by that. <laughs> but you know, still he's got that kind of you know that old Scottish way about him, and they got that. And you've got Ben who's just kicking off every minute. I love it when he goes like, like you know, this clear danger. Goes, yeah, that suits me fine. Like, <laughs> he goes. Uh, <laughs> I say what well, can we do? This? I've always wanted to do this. That's recreate one of my favourite scenes because it comes from nowhere. Because basically, he does what a lot of times does. Because uh, there's quite a good um, in periods of Mars at one point. It's quite good seeing Sarah Jane just go, "Oh, Doctor, should we just fuck this off?" <laughs> basically, at one point they get in, even though they've got a bloke there from Victorian England, she just goes, "Well, should we just f- go? This is wank." And it, and it does good thing because I'm sure time fans were thinking why don't they just leave and the doctor does say look if we leave now this is what 1980 is going to look like and you know really clever scene i love it but and and i love the way that that's how it should play out you know it's very dramatic and he's like oh you know 1980 sarah if you want to get off but this is like literally just half of it is patrick trout i'm trying to say because it because it follows one of these great terms it's one of his most favorite um or sorry one of his infamous uh speeches which i'm sure you've done many a time chris you know that yeah, there yeah. are some corners universe 
that need um you know fighting you know they must be fought and there's this really good um bit but before that he's people forget he's just trying to calm down ben because yeah. he uh, we'll reenact it now so i'd like to do this so i'll do ben leaving and you just go no 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 ben we can't go yet which is so unlike the doctor to say it's like no 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 whoa whoa, whoa hang on mate whoa, whoa, whoa we can't go so your line is uh no no ben we can't go yet and then he just says yeah. the best thing which is like the best response ever uh, which i basically every this companion is of, this is from power of the daleks isn't it no 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 this is uh moon base so uh oh, okay. he goes right i don't know what's oh, going on yeah yeah yeah. i just sorry yeah yeah okay get off the moon base so i'll be ben storming off and you just have to say uh no 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 ben we can't go yet and he just says the best thing in the world right so we go yeah well that suits me fine oh sorry <laughs> again you, you just go no no ben we can't go yet so he says you just right. get off the ship and i go yeah well that suits me fine no no ben we can't go yet why not they don't want us here <laughs> like every companion is like, well, we don't want to see it. It's like, well, obviously not. At what point? It's like, I love the way if, like, if just halfway through, like, um, you know, the end of the world, Billy Piper just went, oh, let's just go. He's like, no, rolls, we can't. He goes, well, they don't want to see it. So I'm feeling really unwelcome. I just, he's just such a great, like, whoever wrote Ben is a fucking genius. Like, he's just kicking off. And then later on, like, when him and Jamie are lifting. Sorry, what was that? I was going to say, you know, like Power of the Daleks. He was like so confrontational to the Doctor. Isn't he? Uh, I have to admit, I've not seen Power of the Daleks. So I need oh, to. He's, he's, he's probably goes, uh, he's, just, he's so against it. He goes, if he's really the Doctor, then that ring should fit now, shouldn't it? There. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, there, well, that settles it. <laughs> it's just like, oh, no, fuck off. Oh, we need more <laughs> companions who just come in and go, nah, what's this? Oh, where's the planet thing? Nah, not interested. Bollocks. And he just walks around the place, just not enjoying anything. And I'm like, this is just the best companion that they've ever had. Um, and it's, <laughs> there's, that one, there's that one bit with Polly in, in Power of the Darts. He goes, well, he said his old body was wearing a bit thin. He goes, sorry, grew himself a new one. <laughs> <laughs> is that he's, he's basically you know the way they always say the companion is kind of uh is a reflection of the fan yeah right so you've got like you know um <laughs> Joe and Sarah Jane who cleverly kind of turn around and go so doctor why is that important <laughs> they go but doctor i don't understand what that means doctor where are we but doctor doesn't that mean that if that's happening then that this is happening now that we might not <laughs> exist you know simplifies it but ben right is for the is, is basically i think for the dad who doesn't get what's going on in the show <laughs> yeah you know if you say to someone they go what are you watching they go doctor who who's that you go that's jody whittaker what are, i thought it was david tennant no, 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 he regenerated into that. What, so he gets himself a new one? Like, <laughs> your dad watching it, like, going, what are they doing there? They don't even want him there. What are they pricking around on the moon for? What, what a waste of time. And then Ben will say, what a waste of time? It's like a bollocks. I suppose it really helped in Power of the Daleks, because obviously they did some, I took a real gamble and just recast the main guy and expected everyone to just follow along with it. <laughs> but they did, but they put Ben in there, like you say, to be that voice to go, what are you fucking on about? (laughs) (laughs) You can't just change it from one person to another. And then Polly's like, what it probably is. He goes, fucking hell. It's quite quite clearly not him. (laughs) See, I think that's what Ryan should have been. Or or in fact, even (laughs) Bradley Walsh, that should have been his character in in the the woman who's on Earth. Because then you could have had him just go, what, so he's a bird now? To be fair, he does, right. he, he does slightly have that now, doesn't he? He, no. he is that one. He's like, he's just sitting there. He's just there. He goes, 
Oh, I don't have a clue. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I got sandwiches or something. I don't know. But that thing, you know, the way he was like, what the hell? He's got a new body. He could have done that whole thing of, what? So he's a bird now. Oh, you know what he said in the trekking room, Ben? It, uh, he did, he had his titty monjangos in there and his vagina was hurting. <laughs> What's that? So he gets himself, gets rid of his cock. What's the matter with him? He had What's he done that for? He was a Scottish bloke a minute ago. Now he's a bird. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it is the doctor. I know it is. Right. If that's the doctor, right? Or he bang Billy Piper. And if he don't, she don't want to do that. She ain't a fucking dog, really. <laughs> Oi, bird, come here. Treat oh, come here. Because that's the thing. He always used to call, like, I think in the first couple of episodes, he Duchess, called Poppy. Isn't it? Like, yeah, all right, Duchess. All right, all right, sugar. T- <laughs> <laughs> <He's> like, <laughs> he's the best companion ever. And I, I, I adore him. I just yeah. think he's funny <laughs> and like it just cracks me up because you got you do find yourself watching doctrine and you sort of every now and then even if you've watched one loads and loads of times you sort of go why are they doing this what? and it's ben is that character just going what the why are we even here what's the <laughs> point like it's so good and he does things like even the way they've written him is brilliant so he doesn't do the things where like um i think in the war machine so like if someone falls over jamie will go like i oh, help me up would you help me up or like, you know, or, or you know, yeah. Ian will fall over and he'll, he'll go, ah, oh, why don't you give me a hand? But, but ben, <laughs> ben goes, well, help me up then. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think it's when him and Jamie are carrying the um, thing and they're trying to block up the door. And he goes, uh, <laughs> he goes in and they just smash him. <laughs> like, I'd love to have gone for a pint with Jamie and, and um, Ben. I bet they were a right laugh going for a drink with. I reckon like, so. Jamie would be the one like sort of holding your coats while the while you and Ben just go outside for a smoke. Yeah, that's exactly that's the way I, I describe it. <laughs> oh, come on, we're going to a club. No, no, Ben, we can't go yet. We can't go yet. Jamie's still in the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? They don't want to see it, do they? <laughs> Well, it was... then, it is closing time. <laughs> yeah, well, that suits me fine. <laughs> it's cra- Honestly, so that, I think... Come we... on, let's get on the night shoot, <laughs> Um Yeah, so well, that's it then. Well, basically, I think we've sorted out the next series of your online. It's just the, you know, <laughs> Series 6B. Uh, everyone always has the same thing. Uh, yes, in Series 6B, uh, what would happen is he goes back and he finds Jamie and he finds... No, no, he doesn't. He goes and finds Ben and he tries to get Ben interested in stuff and he just doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> what would he say if he watched The Curse of Fatal Death to bring him back? <laughs> <laughs> no, it should have been Ben should have been the other character. <laughs> Great. Oh, so I don't see that. I, I did say we infamously don't stay on uh, on subject. We've tried to stay here with the curse of fatal death, but it seems to be the curse of fatal Ben has <laughs> been the subject of today's episode. Martin's just sitting there like, oh, oh, oh there's, there's no point in it. Why am I here? <laughs> well, I've got to edit this bastard. <laughs> you have, <yeah. laughs> I mean, it's a shame it's not scripted because you just control F Ben, delete. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so there's mm. about six people listening. What would you recommend to them about Curse of the Fatal Death? Well, I would say, actually, and I mean genuinely, I would say that it is a fantastic parody of... So one thing you could say is it's a fantastic parody of the, of the classic series. And if you grew up watching the classic series, you can tell that Moffat was really, is really very good, observant, com, um, 
comedy writer he's very good at pe- like he did in coupling he's very good at picking up people's traits the characters in coupling are really well done because he he's like a sponge he picks up the way people talk and it's done really well and it was a shame to see that didn't come across great in doctor who from stephen Moffat. i expected better characters to be honest because of how well his comedy writing was you mentioned press gang earlier the characters in that are so so well written um so i would say it's brilliant observant comedy about the classic series and also i would probably say that it's worth watching from a new series perspective to see how many things like oh look here's an echo into the future it's a good fun 20 22 minutes that you'll think how the fuck did this happen yeah <laughs> which is what i describe about most things really <laughs> very true um so, so here's what, i've got a question for you guys actually I, in my notes i've got my uh, my big question which is um that's as i said I, I do think this is a really good parody um from from stephen moffat and uh he's obviously observed things from years and years and years of the show so obviously you know he had a good what 30 years it was on air and he's he's taken that all in and he's come up with what is i think a, a very good script parodying um the what was Doctor Who all the way up to that point. So what I'd say now here in 2019, if you were given the job to say, right, do you know what? We're writing a comedy sketch for for, for television. We're doing something. We want it to be a, a funny parody of Doctor Who. How would you approach that now in 2019? Now we have the new series. I'm not really sure in terms of, uh, there used to be gags. I mean, like Dead Ringers did one, which I thought of years ago, which was uh, the music was just too loud. You couldn't hear them. Like yeah, the mm. doctor and Rose just go. He goes, I can't hear you. It's too loud, <laughs> or something like that. Well, I suppose you you always already have done in a way from what you do in um in uh We Sound Familiar. You do kind of come up with these modern day scenarios. Oh it, yeah, so like we the would... fan fandom, for example. Like obviously, thirty years ago, you didn't have the Twitter fandom. But these days you have that kind of clash of older fans, newer fans, um, you know, people who don't like the, the, the female doctor, people who do and people who write these long kind of angry letters. You know, that that's something you've, you, you've picked up. You, and uh, I think it was, well, there was one sketch I did do uh, a few years ago, which was uh, uh, I think it was about just series nine was about the start. It was like a fan complaining on Skype to his mate, and then suddenly the t- the doctor just lands in the room, and it's just Capaldi going, "You haven't even fucking seen it yet." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, you haven't seen it. How do you fucking know? <laughs> Sorry, who, who's the time traveler here? Is it me or is it you? <laughs> you know, it's all things like that. Um, I suppose you could you could do that sort of that sort of parody in that sense like otherwise most other parodies tend to be we just put the doctors in places which are bizarre like we had a uh, one of the we sound familiar gigs we did we did uh the dalek scene mm. and he says uh it's in the it's in the cell it won't stop screaming and it keeps repeating itself over and over again and he goes don't worry i'll handle it he goes i'm the doctor i'm here to help and then suddenly just got doctor <laughs> the doctor and, it, and then L just comes in as Trump. <laughs> you're not a Dalek. And you're not a doctor, so fake news, you know? <laughs> so, so did, you, did I imagine this? Or did you do, do another version of Dalek with Zippy? Oh, yeah, we did do, yeah, we did, uh, like, we like to do miscast versions of it. That was it, because that, I had, I was in tears about that. Because was like, oh, Doctor, the Doctor. Because <laughs> you did it, you built it up really well, like it was the real series. Then someone just goes, oh, the Doctor. <laughs> I absolutely just lost it. About. I mean, oh, that, it, it, so I, so, that was Earthshock. You got, you, 
you don't know what it's like not to 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 play with the flowers, be you know. And uh, then he just—it <laughs> sounds a bit like Terence Dix, actually. Now I come to realise. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, no. oh you know, we, we do that don't we, William? <laughs> <laughs> then some, and then you'd have uh, like him just do his like. Uh, he goes, how, how, how is this one man? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's Robert Holmes coming in there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, shut up in gothic horror. <laughs> That's another one. <laughs> yeah, it's a mummy, but a robot. <laughs> Chris, when can we expect the next episode of We Sound Familiar? Yes. Oh, yes, we need to uh, record that. Um, yeah, uh, soon, I hope. Um, been a bit busy of late, but uh, yeah, we're hoping too soon. And we've got a new member of the cast joining us. So uh, we've got John Carley, who does his fantastic uh, John Hurt impression, and amongst many other things, he joined us on the last gig. Uh, so we're going to start off doing some with it with him. The problem is, is it's just availability. Obviously, I've had to recently become an uncle, so we've been a bit sort of busy the last few weeks, and I've uh, sort of started a new job. So it's there's that. But uh, no, we will do it soon. And also, we, me, Pete, and uh, Elle is involved in a way. Uh, we have planned something for uh, the fandom, which we will reveal once we've actually got it all planned out. So that's a bit of a tease. <laughs> Interesting. And Sam, if anyone wanted to come and see you at a gig, have you got anything coming up? Well, uh, I will be joining the uh, We Found Sound Familiar cast as the role of Ben Jackson. Uh, <laughs> in, it's Ben Jackson gets annoyed at various things in life. Uh, <laughs> and it's just that. Can you believe this, Paul? They haven't even left the EU yet. <laughs> what do you mean a vegan sausage roll? It's not a sausage thing, is it? It's a vegan sausage roll. And various <laughs> other things. <laughs> What do you mean, Sam Smith's a bird now? He's not a bird, but he is a girl. Wake up your mind, he's not a daisy. <laughs> and various other. Ben, ja- ben Jackson basically solves the world. Oh, no, it's Ben Jackson is essentially Jonathan Pye, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> they ripped him off. I, I can be found here, there, and everywhere. I, I, I've got quite a few gigs coming up, actually. I'm, I'm God, where am I? I'm, I'm everywhere from, uh, I'm, I'm in Reading. Uh, I'd say the best one to find me out, actually, if, if anyone's in the South would be in Reading, where I'll be supporting um, a, a comedian I absolutely love. You, you've probably seen him on uh, Michael McIntyre's Roadshow and Live at the Apollo, Andrew Lawrence. Um, oh, yeah, I've heard of Absolutely that. incredible comic. Quite a controversial figure, actually, from his... Uh, well, you, you, if you find him on Twitter, you'll see why he's controversial, but an absolutely outstanding comedian and the sort of comedian you really need in 2019 it doesn't even particularly break any barriers he's he's just you know i don't want to sound like one of those old oh you know he's not afraid of offending every anyone but he is just this all-out comedian who you know goes by the rule simply that all comedians should which is if it's funny it's funny it doesn't matter the context of it well you know sorry well if anything the context is important if it's funny um really really fantastic comedian as i said has had a huge career and i'll be supporting him on november the 19th in reading at the uh comedy milk club um very very good club in the in the south of england so you can go there i'm also in bristol i'm just picking my my sort of uh 
bigger gigs just to make me sound cool uh the people people's comedy club december time always always very good there that's where i supported simon munnery who um you know is an amazing comedian and i don't know who i'll be on with that night it's always a great surprise to get there and you find that you're on with someone you've idolized since you were 11 years old and uh, if there's anything more nerve-wracking than meeting some a comedian you've idolized since you're 11 it's then going out on stage before them and doing your poor excuse for for a 20 minute set or a 10 minute set or whatever i've got uh, uh hopefully uh, got a few london um gigs as well uh dead dead set comedy near paddington so if any london followers there i'll I'll get a a deliberate date on that i'm on twitter at sam and michael comic appropriately named uh new account as well for now yeah after my (laughs) other one my other one i think i was getting into too many arguments with too many people and uh i got into too many arguments with clever people who could hack my account so i've got a new rule now which is i just don't argue with anyone i just i I just don't go after anonymous anymore (laughs) yeah (laughs) just just leave it them and the russians i've decided to just let them be all right gentlemen thank you for joining me tonight i think we've covered curse of fatal death as best we could and and everything else (laughs) and if anyone could go on itunes and leave us a rating i'd really appreciate it actually chris if you could go on itunes and leave it a one star rating as the disgruntled fan, that would be amazing. Don't want to. I don't want it to come from my account. I'll <laughs> <laughs> go. Why is you telling me I might have to actually get another account for the disgruntled fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that would be good. So, otherwise, like, it won't let me mark it up again after that. <laughs> I'll be like, Oh, you got marked down by Chris. <laughs> Chris That'd be funnier because you keep coming on. <laughs> Genuine, that, that I think that's a really, really good idea. You should have a Twitter account as a disgruntled Doctor Who fan because you could do so much fun trolling with that. But, okay, yeah. well that wraps it up, <laughs> gentlemen. Thank you for joining me. Thank you, mate. Always, always good. And let's definitely, right? I tell you, you asked us when you're going to see us next. Well, you're going to see us when we do the video podcast, surely. Definitely. Let's do something. Watch the
without my TV for a day. Or even a minute. Don't even bother to use my brain anymore. There's nothing left in it. We've got nothing better to do than watch TV and have a couple of brews. Hey, wait a minute. My TV doesn't work. It's broken. What are we going to do tonight? This isn't fair. We're We've got nothing.